Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another informative and entertaining episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we provide insights and visibility into products and solutions across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please follow us and feel free to share your favorite episodes with your colleagues and friends. Have thoughts on what we should cover in a future episode? Let us know on Twitter at at Cisco Champion. All right, today we are talking about the new Cisco Catalyst 9136 APs. We are specifically going to dive into a special early field trial that our champion host participated in just a few months back. So not only do we have a phenomenal Cisco expert with us today, but we have three amazing champs prepared to share their experiences with testing these APs in their unique environments. So let's get to know our cast of characters. Jonathan, we're going to start with you. Who are you? Uh, I, I ask myself <laughs> that every day. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, my name is Jonathan Mahadi. I'm a principal wireless engineer um, at BHP, so I'm working in the mining sector. Um, I, I'm just like passionate about wireless. I love wireless. Anyone that knows me tries to avoid talking wireless with me because I talk about it too much. Um, but I'm really looking forward to this episode. It's been a great, um, you know, pleasure to be able to test out this equipment, and I'm looking forward to talking about it today. Awesome! You found your people, then, people that love to talk about wireless. Absolutely. <laughs> I know this could go on for a while. <laughs> no, uh, Richard, you're up next. What do you do? Good afternoon. Uh, I'm Richard. I work for ITGL in the UK, um, and I was lucky enough to be involved in the Cisco Champion. Uh, beta testing of the 9136 and uh, I spend most of my time designing and deploying wireless networks for universities and hospitals and things like that and uh, and I am currently in the process of working with uh, with the university here in the UK around deploying a whole bunch of 9136s all across their camp. Perfect. Um, okay, who's up next, Scott? So happy to rope you into Cisco Champion Radio. <laughs> Yes, yeah, my first one, Scott Fella. Uh, I work at Microsoft. Uh, I'm part of the retail experience um, group at Microsoft. Um, I'm glad that I had the chance to do this EFT. Uh, we're going through a, basically a whole refresh. So the 9136 is basically what I have on the bomb. Excellent. All right, Fred. Word has it that you've come out of retirement just for this episode. <laughs> and that's the rumor I'm spreading. So we're very happy to have you with us. That works. I appreciate <laughs> that. Well, as, as you some may know, uh, my name is Fred Niehaus. I'm a technical marketing engineer. I've been uh, based here out of Akron, Ohio. I'm part of the original Aeronet team. So I've been been we've been making APs for about 25 years. That's that's the reality of the thing since about 1994. Or so, and. For all those years, I was involved in a lot of all of the APs and the deployment guides, things like that, you know, introducing new access points. So, so I take a little break, I go away for a year and I come back and, and here we've, we've, we've taken the, the, the 9130 and, and completely revamped it, gave it 6E capabilities and, you know, for six gigahertz. And we've got a, a brand new AP to talk about. This is probably the hundredth AP or so different model that we've made over the years. We made about a hundred of them. I, I, I was kind of looking quickly to see, and that doesn't count the ones that we did with Linksys, Cisco Small Business, Meraki. This is just the group out of Akron, Ohio and, and Richardson, Texas and San Jose. So, uh, so anyway, we'll, we're going to talk a little bit about, about the, the new AP. Yeah. 
Well, I, I think you gave us a bit of a background there, but is there anything that you wanted to talk about with the AP before we get into the uh, the conversation here? Absolutely. The, you know, the, the, the neat thing about this access point, just to give you a quick overview, is it's the first access point with six gigahertz in it. You know, the new, the new Wi-Fi 6E, there's about 56, 58 countries or so that are in different processes of getting six gig enabled for, for, for data use. And the, um, the neat thing about this AP is not only does it support five gigahertz in eight by eight mode, 2.4 gig and four by four, but it also does six gig in four by four as well. It has the full Cisco clean air in it, the chipset. It's got an IOT BLE radio in it. Uh, it's got a, a port on the side of it for high power for, for USB if you've got things that you want to run on it. And it's got environmental sensors. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, all of those things and how they might apply to, to the uh, folks that have been testing the product. All right. So where did we want to start? Well, I'm kind of interested in, uh, you know, Jonathan's got, uh, I, I'm kind of interested in hearing a little bit about each of the deployments. Maybe we'll start with Jonathan, talk about what he's, uh, what kind of a network he's got, how he's powering the AP, just just thoughts about it, about the product in general. Uh, thanks, Fred. Okay. So, well, look, I work in the mining sector, right? So my industry's got like, you know, um, specific requirements around this. Um being enterprise IPs and, you know, being first that we've had in Australia, I think they were at the time, um, these are tested in a lab, so we power them off uh, UPOE switching. And um, I just put through the paces with a couple of clients that I had to purchase, so I bought some Intel standard chips, uh, I think the AX2210, and um, yep, just ran it through the process and had a lot of fun in the process. And I, I think one of the big things that I was uh, pleasantly surprised about was the sensors and how valuable they could be in, in our in our sort of environment where we've got harsh conditions, dust, temperature, humidity, you know, that's you know, all those kind of nice, nice to know things, um, especially when inside uh, environments that, you know, we have people working, right? Um, that's something that uh, surprised me, to be honest. And I, I actually, Richard, uh, my colleague here, one of the champs here in this call, or in this podcast, has actually uh, done a really good podcast on our podcast, sorry, blog post on this. And uh, he went into the detail of it. And uh, if you want to read it, check it out. It was a really good um, blog post. Awesome. Uh, Richard, can you tell us a little bit about your your network environment? What what kind of things you look for? Yeah, so, so I work for Cisco Partner. So, uh, so my network is thoroughly dull and boring, but my clients' networks are, are fairly interesting. And... Um, for for the most part, in all honesty, they they don't have UPoE. They they tend to have all sorts of um, all sorts of switches and access points dotted around. As these, as these huge estates are very um, disjointed and and like it's really hard to refresh a whole university in one go. So um, so we've been talking to people about about how they can address their challenges and also how they can accommodate this new hardware, like you know all all, all in one go, and. You know, university is a pretty demanding place. You often get tens and twenties and fifties and hundreds of clients, all in really small spaces like lecture theatres and and bars and pop up seminar rooms. And yeah, people tell me that that students, when they're picking the universities, actually look for the best and fastest Wi Fi and all that. Yeah, do you find that's really the case, or is that just something people just make up and say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and over here in the UK, they they do like student satisfaction surveys and stuff, and all the results are public and. Like Wi-Fi and internet connectivity is they're things that people actively get asked about, and um, um, 
and and like it's all over Twitter. If you, if you go to university and you have a decent Wi-Fi outage, you can find it on Twitter real fast. Like it's it's really important to people. But yes, yeah. So the the six gig stuff that's that's been added in the ninety one thirty six and all the and all the enhancements that come with that are, are, um, are they're the really exciting bit. And then and then um, uh, going back to Jonathan's point about the sensors, obviously COVID in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of interest in like and like the well-being of your environment right is it a safe space to have a teacher in can i can i demonstrate that we've got a well ventilated room and all that sort of good stuff and so um so the sensors have have uh, have been really interesting to talk about and the the people that are that are responsible for like the well-being of staff and the well-being of students are um are really interested in that in that in the data they produce well, you know, I was thinking about that, like in mining, it's like, is this the new canary in the coal mine? Is this how, how you could tell if this is going to work or not? You know, and, uh, you know, and, and from a university, it kind of makes it, in my opinion, kind of like a smart building in a way, because you got this one pane of glass where you can see these sensors. You might have sensors in, in other environments doing other things, but, but to have just this way to look at temperature and humidity and air quality, it just kind of, you know, all in, in one spot, right, right, right at the console. It's really, a, I think, a pretty, pretty cool thing. So, Scott, tell us a little bit about uh, what you've got going on over there. Yeah, so um, part of the Microsoft retail, um, is we have you know like the three flagships, but what we're we're looking at doing and what we're doing currently is we're building these uh, company stores within our campus that's gonna kind of uh, look like how the London flagship is. So we'll have a business section, uh, gaming section, things like that. Uh, but one of the key things that the business uh, wants is the best experience for any guest user. I mean, that is probably the most important uh, part of our network. So we don't throttle anything. They want, you know, if someone wants to go in the, you know, in the area, you know, sit there and watch Netflix or something like that, like that, they don't want anyone complaining. Point of sales is something else that we, you know, we have to deal with. But, you know, point of sales is just a simple <laughs> connection, secured connection, and that's it. But the majority of our com complaints before was really with the guest experience, right? Our guest is wide open. So as, as streamlined as we could get, as fast as we could get them connected is really, really the key. But, um, you know, with Microsoft, one of the things too, when we talk about sensors and data, uh, we, even though another team facilities might have uh, certain sensors or they're working at looking at different sensors, we're able to collect that, right? And how the business wants to look at it. You know, I mean, we're in Seattle, but we have company stores all over. You know, there's forest fires, right? There's that smog in California. So they, you know, we have the ability to collect it and have various teams, you know, utilize it or not. But as far as for us, you know, the network team and some of our, some of my sister teams, you know, it's data that we have and, and, you know, we could present in some of our dashboards. Nice. So, so you're saying that, that, that you really don't make much distinction between, you know, employee access versus guest access. Everybody, everybody's got a full pipe. Everybody's got a, got fast speeds, um, probably run a, VPN in the background or something that, you know, and, and that's kind of how you keep it separate. Is it, do I have that right? 
Yeah. So currently, uh, employees, we, we, we have that, you know, secured, you know, EPTLS connection. What we're moving forward to now is you're going to connect to gas. You're going to VPN just like how you've been doing during COVID, right? So your experience from home to where you go into one of the, you know, company stores or work, it's, it's going to be, you know, transparent per se. Right. But we want to keep that experience. Like, you know, people have high speed internet, right? They, you know, you go, you go to the office, you still want that. Or else people complain that my home internet is a lot faster. So even in, in other countries where we have, um, you know, a presence or company stores, that's the same thing we want, right? We're going to give them the whole pipe. So hopefully they have a better experience at our facility than, you know, maybe at home. Nice. Does anybody have any comments on on uh, other features of the AP? Anything from the USB port to the iCap Intelligent Capture or or Clean Air Pro? Any anything that you guys see um, is is use, useful and, and beneficial in this new AP? I mean, yeah. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff, but it, like, it all relates back to what Scott was just saying about user experience. So so uh, like Clean Air, for example, and. And the improvements we're seeing in, I think I covered another podcast around AI RRM, around the, around the ability to, to engineer the Wi-Fi better or to just improve the reliability of the network. You know, with those, with those dual uplinks and the ability to do redundant PoE, if, you, if you've got all of your executives running off just a purely wireless environment, can, can you really afford to have single points of failure anymore? And it's, and it's really common for people to have dual uplinks on their access layer switch stacks and stuff like that. But but prior to this, you know, we, we still had single points of failure all the way down to the access point because because of a single wire. So for me a lot a lot of that stuff does resonate with with the customers we talk to and and it and it all comes down to that user experience. Maybe it's only user experience in a failure scenario or in or in some niche cases, but but like it it all adds up right. And wireless for a lot of my customers is now their primary or in some cases their only way of getting on the wireless network and and for those people that that take their wireless seriously you know those features make a difference so richard you know just touching on that like everything you say resonates for what for what we work in right so like absolutely everything wireless is so important these days that you can't live without it it's like an extra like it's like your left or right arm right You, you need it right to, to do your job in the day. And so a lot of our buildings, um, you know, are, you know, a lot of offices uh, when they're being built or when they're being renovated, don't actually have a wire connection. So when the wireless is out, it's out, right? And people will complain. So actually having that um, redundancy right to the edge of the AP where you, you're you having like a, a failover scenario that, you know, the link has failed, you still have power on the other link and you can actually connect that link to a different switch. And that's fantastic, right? That's That for me is like a saving grace, um, but also, you know, um, <clears throat> from a design perspective, right, you, you know, you're getting the Wi-Fi 6 benefits, uh, sorry, the Wi-Fi 6E benefits where you're in a 6 gigahertz um, spectrum. So you can design for that. Obviously, there's complications around that. I'm sure we're going to touch on it. Um, but yeah, like determinism and redundancy um, is like absolutely king, right, for me. Hey, Richard. So in your space, how are customers balancing redundancy and cost of that extra drop? Because I think, you know, uh, we have that issue too, where they're trying to reduce cost right and 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 that's really where some of the features that you want doesn't happen until you have an outage right and then you're going back and 
retrofitting? I think, I mean, I know what the answer is. It's, I don't think it's the one we want to give, unfortunately. Um, I think my customers are probably the same as your environment. A lot, a lot of them probably aren't going to invest in second drops until they've had significant outages. I, I do know some of my customers are, are being proactive about second drops, but, but only selectively. So like in the exec suites or in, in the spaces that, that are revenue generating, where they, where they rent them out to third parties and stuff like that. Certainly in the university space in the UK, I can't see it being the norm where we have two, two drops because it's also two switch ports and two UPoE switch ports of so that, you know, the, like the cost of, of doing all of that well. I think in a lot of cases, these features are in there for those who, who, who just you know, demand those for, for, for fault tolerance and, and issues, you know, you know, you're right. You don't, you certainly don't need to run two ethernet cables. You don't need to have that, but if you didn't have it on the AP, it's kind of like going to buy a car, right? You go to buy a car, you walk in the dealership, say, I want leather seats. The guy goes, I don't have leather seats. Well, then I'm out of here. I'm done with you. Right. If you say, well, I got leather seats, but you know, it costs you a little more or whatever. Then it's like, well, then maybe I'll wait. But, but the nice part about this is it just comes with the AP, whether you choose to use it or not, you've got that as flexibility. You know, we did a lot of design work on this AP to try to make it the very best one we could. In fact, if you could, if you could imagine just, if you could take the cover off of the AP, the antenna system that we put in it, there are four antennas on each corner of the AP that are dual band or two, they do 2.4 and five gig in the center of the AP is an additional four antennas that are five and six gig. So now you can tell this AP, look, do two, four and do a full eight by eight and five gig, or you can do, you know, that and turn on the six gig and have a four by four in that too. But so, so four antennas on a corner, four on the inside, on the top and bottom of the AP, looking at the logo of it, if you could, there are two sensor antennas that go directly into Clean Air Pro. I mean, we can look at the spectrum in two, four, five, or six gigs, show you what's going on in there. And then there's another separate antenna on the on the right of or the left side of the AP. And that does your IoT and your BLE and things. So so we did a you know you got a lot of antennas in a very small space. So we did a lot of work to try to improve those antennas so that they'll work good. In fact, in fact at six gigahertz, since the path loss is a little higher on six gig, We've got one dB higher on the antennas in the, in the six gig band, right? And we've done a lot of things to keep that seamless experience between five and gig, six gig. In other words, if you if you have APs deployed on a one to one, you can pull them out and put these new ninety one thirty sixes in in the same spots. You don't have to redo a survey, and for the most part, the six gig coverage is very, very close to the five gig coverage. I don't know if you guys did any any sort of throughput or distance testing, but I'm interested in knowing if you if you found any deficiencies or any way in in any manner where it maybe produced where it was didn't produce as well as a previous AP or if it did a lot better than the previous APs. Any thoughts? I think it's fair to say the ninety one thirty six beats every other access point I've ever tested. Yeah, I'd absolutely beat it out of the hat. Yeah. Fa- fantastic bit of kit. And even even at six gig, you know, you 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 might expect higher attenuation and what have you, but it's just not doesn't really seem to be there. And certainly in the UK we get slightly higher transmit powers compared to five gig um that that helps with some of that um but like if you've got a decent five gig wireless network today it's, it's more or less a straight swap and it's even the same bracket right you guys get the same bracket for 
what like yeah. 15 20 years yeah long it's been. exactly <laughs> it's well been you know you, you think about that you you, you haven't uh, there are two types of brackets there's a bracket one and a bracket two bracket one is for that ceiling installation where you're where you're going right up against the tiles you want a nice snug good look but what if you've got a manufacturing environment where maybe the ceilings are so high, you've got a pipe that goes all the way down. Kind of think of it like if you've ever been into a Chipotle store or any kind of a store where you see the lighting actually goes all the way down a pipe and becomes closer to where the users are, right? Well, the best place for an access point is as close to the users as you can reasonably get, right? So bracket two adapts right to an electrical box and adapts on the wall. You you know, you've got all these holes. It's like Swiss cheese. You can mount it to darn or any things so so those two brackets the nice thing about them is they're both metal you know so they they you know the ground kind of flows through it and it's a robust bracket you can't just grab it and take it off the wall or something like that so so um maybe you guys can comment on maybe the ap's that you were running previous to to this ap or or any comments so fred just one thing actually right so we're talking about installation like compatibility is key as well like this this ap will still work without upoe power right it just doesn't do all the fandangle thing i think that's really important to call out uh you know you don't have to go off and buy a upoe switch to make this thing work um, it's just tied back on features. Do you want to comment a bit more on that? Oh, oh, absolutely. So, so here's the thing: when when you start talking, I'm going to throw two five gig radios because this five gig can be it, by default right now. It's five gig eight by eight mode. We plan on a lot, allowing you to break that up, so you can actually have a separate two four, two separate fives, and a six gig radio, and run BLE, and do full spectrum intelligence with those radios. When you start adding all of that stuff up. It just all takes power. And even if it's power that you may not use that you, you know, like say, for example, the USB port, it's now been enhanced to do nine watts, right? Well, you know, take nine watts, take all of the other radios, everything together for full functionality. I think we're right around 47, a little over 47 watts, 47.3 or two or whatever. And that's UPOE or, or 802.11BT. So so if you can run BT on it, and by the way, we just came out with a new power injector. If you've got a smaller installation or or a one-off in, in a mine or somewhere, you know, we've got a, a new POE injector, multi-gigabit injector that can do BT power as well. So full functionality, you get that. If you go and you say, you know, I just don't want to buy that switch today, but I'm going to buy it down the road here. I'd like to be able to run it on 30 watts, right? I want to run it on AT power. Well, if you do that, we're going to draw about 24.34 watts. Remember, there's a little bit of loss in the cable. When you get down down at 100 meter cable, you lose a couple watts in that, right? So, so, so you know, we get to, to where we can run it in basically two by two mode on 2.4 and 5 gig, still run 4x4 four four on, on 6 gig, I believe, and still run run in like a 1x one, one mode or, you know, for that, that, that IoT radio. And we can do all of that on AT power. Now, if you say, well, you know, I'm from 2003 and, I, and I've still got AF power. I've got, you know, we really wanted to jettison that and not do that, but, but it'll basically allow the AP to come up on that 15 watts. But there's really not enough there to run. I can't turn on the USB. I can't turn on. I mean, I could basically probably get, you know, functionality, be able to get in there and manage the AP, do things, you know, maybe get one radio running. But that's about all you're going to do. So so you really, if you're running AF power, that 15.4 watt power, I would say that's a great power for staging the AP, maybe getting it configured and getting the, the you know, the information into the AP, you know, firmware upgrades, et cetera. 
I mean, that's really important, right? Compatibility is king for us, like for any industry, right? We can't just throw out equipment, right? That's perfectly good and well in service. So, you know, for me, that's a really good call out. And the fact that you're using standard brackets and we can swap APs out, you know, that's important. But there's still design aspects, right? Now, I'm like, I love my ORF, right? And I love wireless, but I am, I have smarter colleagues in the business and they know who they are, who do this work day in, day out. And, you know, it's very polished, right? And, but is there any design considerations that we need to take for, let's say, six gig deployment that we need to like think about for these APs if they're a higher power? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, there's 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 a couple things there. So so if if you know five gig and six gig coexist really nice together, right? So 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 you can have these these you know you don't have a a receiver degradation if five gigs on and you're running six or vice versa. You know, so so that that works out good. If it's an existing replacement, I think you can do a one to one without any any real problems at all. If it's a greenfield and and you're going well, how many APs per square feet? I would I would say probably one per fifteen hundred to two thousand square feet or so. Uh, remember the six E is all new spectrum, right? So it's easier to bond channels and do larger widths and things with, with six gig than, than you could, you know, before. And uh, like I said, the POE requirements, like I said, we have an injector, you've got high power POE switches, things like that. Um, I think the, the nice things like, you know, we touched on the port aggregation and, and the redundancy, if you lose power on either one, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of that stuff that's going, but, but we did some testing in Richfield where we actually, you know, hung an AP on a stick, you know, just, just raise it up there and play with it. And, and, you know, we used that guy, you know, early version of Akahau, you know, that, that, that we got from them. And, you know, Jim Forwick did most of the, the grunt work on that. And I kind of played his helper and, you know, followed him around and helped out. But, but basically we found that when we, you know, did a quick survey with five gigs, shut it down, brought up six gig. It's very similar. I mean, you know, because because as you start bonding channels, the sensitivity and the things like that just balance it all out quite well. So I I, I think we we kind of did a lot of, of hardware work in the beginning to make this thing, uh, you know, a solid AP because, you, you know, when you make an access point, you know, you can always play with software. You can always, you know, well, uh, you know, I'm having trouble. I'll band-aid it, right? But when you make a piece of hardware, you got one shot at that. I mean, if that AP is out there and there's something that's horrible on it, I sorry, I, I tell people it's like it's like uh, you know, it's like baking cupcakes or a cake. You pull that thing out of the oven, if the whole thing is still gooey inside, you are not going to fix it. <laughs> you know, you know. So, so we really, you know, that whole idea by behind using the the you know the same brackets and and keeping the form factor down as small as we can. You know, this is as small as we could get that AP with all the stuff that we put in it, you know, and, and, uh, and it's not bad. It's around three pounds, a little over and, you know, easily, you know, the, the bracket can hold three times that weight and, and not a problem. Is it worth touching on some of the regional variations with it? And like in the EU, obviously, and in the UK, slightly different rules around how many channels we get and all that sort of good stuff. So obviously in Cisco being a US company, all the data sheets tell us we're going to get, you know, 1200 megahertz worth of channel space and all that sort of good stuff but over here we get 500 megahertz which is still awesome right we still get three what three 160 megahertz channels which is mind-boggling well and these are truly software-defined radios too so if, if things happen and spectrum increases things like that we're really working hard to try to to say nope nope what you got's what you got you know, we can't upgrade you you know we're really trying to do the best we can to to try to make 
an AP that's really universal that can that that can grow with 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 as the regulations change and things. Just touching on that, so, so the SDR stuff, uh, Richard and Scott, did you have any problem with the configuration? Like when you were configuring configuring this AP in the controllers, the nine eight hundreds. What was your experience? I, I'm kind of t- it's a testy question, right? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I mean, I had to reread the guide, you know, and just tinker. I mean, it was maybe I was trying to do too many things at once, right? And one thing would work, another thing wouldn't work. I think one of the biggest struggles, like a few of us had, right, was to get like WPA3 also, right, set up. And it was like, well, what is it? Is it the six gigahertz or is it my configuration? And then also, like for me, it was like, all right, what radius should I shut off now? And you know, let me bond everything, you know, so it's still confusing. I have to go back and look, right? And it, you know, like right, right now, how I have it, I mean, I have it hard coded at 160 because I think, you know, I was like, oh, these, my, the Samsungs, the ones I was testing with the S21s, it's like, oh, it's not going to six, you know, what is it? Is it my configuration again, you know, or the, the channel width would drop. And I'm like, man, I have it at 160 or auto. So it, yeah, it's it's something I have to play around with more, reach out to folks more, and just really understand what's the you know what's the best way to set that up, and and at least that'll be kind of my baseline moving forward. I don't have a good answer right now, but I was shutting things down, and well, you are kind of limited on clients right now. I mean, th- this year twenty twenty is going to be the year of the Wi Fi six E client, right? I mean, there it's happening in in AMD, it's happening in Intel. You know, you you mentioned the Samsung S twenty ones. I think Google Pixel has them. You know, so I mean, if if you did, did you and I don't want you to call out one as being bad, but but did you did you see any client inconsistencies where maybe one client might have worked better than the other or anything like that? For me, I, all I had was the yeah. I mean, all I had was the S twenty one, but the throughput testing I did, you know, I I had a Docker set up on a ninety three hundred, you know, full ten gig. You know, I had the AP. This is my first time I tested lag on an AP and it actually worked well. So I left it there. You know, I mean, my experience was great. You know, um, it's also kind of my first EFT and I've done a lot in the past that I hadn't had too much worry about my controllers crashing or the APs having to be rebooted, things like that. So, so, so during beta, most of the, most of the software and the AP and all was pretty stable. For my environment, yes. I ran everything in Flex Connect. My testing was at home because of, you know, COVID, but I had seven APs also at home. So I think a lot of us do that, have a, 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 a mini network all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like being a kid in a candy store, though, right? If you're a real technologist or that kind of person, right? You know, oh, God, I got a new thing. I want to see. How, I, I've forgotten how to configure this. <laughs> you know, you get too excited. Yeah. And then, yeah. so like, I think the problem is for me is just like, you know, trying to understand the spectrum because it would have been the first time I've used it here in Australia um, myself. Um, and then like the other piece was drivers really, right? So like, just because it's so bleeding edge, my God, like, I'm, I'm, don't, don't, don't me wrong. I know my Linux inside out and I, I'm pretty hands-on with computers in general, but that made me cry. It actually reminded me of the doing the CCI lab where things just weren't working the way they're meant to. And I'm like, is it me? 
is it is it is it something I'm not doing right? So like, I guess if my advice to people is be patient, the documentation is there, and it may be not a hundred percent right. Just you know, reach out to your colleagues and stuff because you know sometimes you know it might be driver related or um, you know th- there is a way of debugging the stuff. So just you know, go back to the one hundred one. Don't it's not completely different. That's the thing. Even operating systems as well, right? Like when Windows ten, I didn't really have any luck with at all. And as soon as I moved it to Windows eleven, like things just started working and it, and it was lovely. You had a problem, right, Richard, with the the drivers on that Intel, right? Or was it someone else? Okay. Yeah. I, I, I did the same as Jonathan and, and bought some Intel AX two ten little nicks and, and dropped them in a bunch of laptops and um uh, inadvertently found myself running not the very latest and greatest drivers and um and that that caused me a few weird issues but as as soon as as soon as you update the operating system as soon as you update the drivers it was it, it was lovely i i actually had more problems um through through uh problems between chair and keyboard uh, relate, relating relate, relating to the the -row uh part codes that, that cisco have moved a whole bunch of countries to yeah, ROW is short for rest of world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So, so, so a whole bunch of countries got moved to this rest of world uh, skew. And uh, and I couldn't get any of my SSIDs to broadcast. I was just sitting there, like, it's all configured. Like, it's not my first rodeo with a 9800 controller. You know, I, I like to think I know what I'm doing. And uh, just total schoolboy error that I forgot to put the country code in, in my AP join profile. And, and um, uh, yeah, and I wasted an embarrassingly large amount of time uh, before, before I spotted that. But but that was that was my only real config niggle. Other than that, it was um, like the the Cisco controller side of it and and all that sort of stuff was was lovely. Richard, did you try to use the uh, Intel connectivity and uh, analytics that's on board with the software? Uh, I did. I did not get it to work. Oh, good. Okay. Well, that's a good that's a good bit of a tip. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll <laughs> yeah. cut that out. But remember, <laughs> remember, as these clients come out, you know they're they're all new, and there's going to be challenges with drivers and different implementations of things. You know, you, know, you have, you know, the the, the Wi-Fi Alliance, or you know what used to be called WECA, Wireless Ethernet Compatibility Alliance. You know, we were a founding member and helped start that, but you know they're just now kind of trying to get the minimum, you know, that, that these clients have to pass and do. But but you're right. The, the challenges are operating systems. I mean, you know, people are going to Windows 11. The the way that they associate and maybe, you know, how we try to get them to bounce. If you're a 6E six, six client and can do 6 gig, why would I want you on 5 gig? Get you the hell out of there and get you out there where you've got you got a road that can go as fast as you want, right? So, so you know, that, that moving clients, the seamless handoffs, the ability to go from, from a cellular network into a Wi-Fi and back again, you know, we're working with, you know, with Apple and all the different people to, to try to get, there's just a lot of components to make all this work. But, it, but, you know, as time goes on, those, those things kind of just fix themselves and go away. You know, it's a lot of, a lot of those, you know, it's like a new phone or anything else, you know, you get an upgrade and it's like, Oh, I didn't even know that was a problem and it's fixed. Right. Well, that's kind of what we're trying to, to get to, you know, is, is get these clients in order and, and work. And, it, and it's not a surprise that like the industry needs to catch up with itself, right? Like like six gig, it's what the biggest change in wireless since since I don't know when. We have since not gotten channels. We haven't <laughs> <laughs> we haven't gotten channels in years. This is a significant Wi-Fi upgrade. I can't I can't tell you how important this six gig six E is because all those legacy clients that even have to live on the same five gig network as, is Wi-Fi six, you know, you know, the ones that, you know, the Wi-Fi fives and the fours, you know, the ones that, that take longer time on the air and that do all, you know, 
you know, when you go to 6E, you got a minimum, you know, bar that you have to keep. And that minimum bar is everything in Wi-Fi 6, right? Not the legacy stuff. So, so you know, you're talking about OFDMA. You're, you're talking about to be, be able to send a packet to multiple clients, you know, data to multiple clients, different clients at the same time. You know, all the features that you get with Wi-Fi 6 that that make that, that you know, that, that performance enhancement and speed and user experience better just comes with 6e so we're going to see more and more people you know where where you just need 6e but but you know it's got to mature a little bit and it's you know and 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 having the first one of the first ap's that support that you know is pretty exciting and it's, it was really interesting to see like we we all did the beta press testing and all that sort of good stuff and and everybody gets excited right 160 megahertz i'm gonna turn everything up to 11 <laughs> yeah. and and we're all posting screenshots around who got the fastest data rates and stuff. And I, and I think um, I think Scott won that uh, competition. <laughs> but um, I totally forgot the point I was going to make. But yeah, six, six, oh yeah. So the, the point I was making is it was impressive to see that despite us all having very different testing environments in different parts of the world, we're all getting very similar performance uh, yeah. statistics in terms of throughput and reliability and what have you. And like, you never see that, right? Lots of people are used to just like, yeah, you see the number on the data sheet. And I will, you know, half it or whatever. You apply some real world fudge factor to it. Uh, but the data rates we we were all getting out of these APs were well into those M gig capable, um, you know, data rates that we see, and that that was really impressive. I've I've never seen. Well, I mean, I was getting like three gig out of this access point, which yeah. is phenomenal. Like we, we we've never seen that before in in wireless before, and that's awesome. This testing also brought back like kind of memories of like always checking drivers now, like I'm looking at another device. I'm like, oh, I have different drivers. And when, you know, we're going to run into that right now with, I mean, even like when Microsoft pat, you know, patches, right. And they bundle all their drivers, you know, we, we have delayed push on employee devices, but everyone brings in their own device. Right. And now it's going to be, okay, here's a device that has a driver that's, you know, two years old is not working anymore because I upgraded, right? Or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, that is, it's a good point. You know, it's, it's one of those things that you always have to keep an eye on and try to get a baseline. Yeah, and we're doing the best we can. And we're doing the best we can to try to put as much polish into that software to be able to show you what that client driver is and what, yeah. what it's at, you know, which is, which is really helpful too. Fred, I have one other question that I'm itching, right? I, and I know we haven't got a lot of time. So I'm, this is like, I've got an itchy brain thing. I've learned this from Amy Lee. That's a great statement. Right. So um, she's out of coffee. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The, sen <laughs> the, the, the sensors, right? So like, why, like, why, what was the thought process around there? Why were they added? And you've only got like a couple of minutes. So if you think of what we, when we, when we design an access point, okay, when we come out with one, we try to do a couple things. We try to change its look a little bit, just so that you can look up in the ceiling and go, "That's a blah blah blah," not just, "Oh, what the hell that is yet." Yeah, you know? and we try to bring some feature to market, you know. And and we've won, you know. I, I myself have Cisco three Pioneer Awards for innovation and all. And, you know, our, our group does, and you know, we in, in Cisco Aeronet's got probably about six uh, Pioneer Awards. So basically. Um, 
you know, Chuck Roberts said, if you want to get a Cisco Pioneer Award, go work at Richfield office, go work for the, for the Wi-Fi group. But the point is, is the AP comes out with something new. We did hyperlocation, okay? A big array so we can tell exactly angle of arrival and all that. Now with ultra wideband and other things, that, that kind of can, can get deprecated a bit or, or, or played down. But the point is, is we gave you that. Nobody else had that, right? We gave, you know, we gave you, you know, the, the, the whole intelligent capture, the whole clean air and clean air pro, that chipset, nobody else had that, right? So we looked at this, what can we kick out in this AP that gives you something a little bit better than everybody else, gives you something a little little different, you know? And we're looking at things in in down the road, even farther in Wi-Fi 7, you know, what, what can we do? You know, we, we did, you know, on earlier APs, we did module approaches, different things, you know, and... Uh, you know, the, the, the goal is to give you some, I want to, if I have any say in it, I want to give you something that you take this AP and you go, Oh, I'm taking this home. This works. This is awesome. I can do something here. I can't do anything else. Right. So, so the idea is to try to find out what that is. In, in, in this case, we thought the talk is IOT, put an IOT radio in there. The talk is smart building. Well, how can you have a smart building if you don't know the temperature and the air quality and the, the humidity? So put that in there, right? And and we may come out with some new things like that that bring even more enhancements down the road. So, so it, it's just, you want to make an AP that's not your run of the mill. I went to to China or JDM ODM, I just got this thing made and I don't have any technology that's me, right? I mean, we, we want to put something in each AP we make to make it special if we can yeah that's awesome i mean you got a lot of passionate people here i'm looking at richard's about to explode <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think the sensors are really cool um yeah and we've, we've been doing stuff like trying to overlay the data from them on maze map and things like that and there's a whole bunch of stuff coming from dna spaces as well for me the potential application for those sensors is 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 almost limitless and and like by definition of them being APs, they're in almost every room in, in your estate, right? Like it, it, it's an awesome way to get hold of data that we've just never had before. Yeah, well, those, those sensors will be in the next generation APs as well. And and I'll tell you, you know, my email is really simple, fredn, cisco.com. If there's some feature that you want to see in a Wi-Fi 7 AP or something that, that, you know, I really don't like how you did this or I'd rather you do something different shoot me an email. Let me collect that stuff. I'll get it right to product managers and we'll do our best to, to make sure when we kick out the next version AP that it's got what you want. I mean, if there's, if there's a reason to remote a sensor, let me know, you know, what, what's the use case. If you've got use cases for anything in future APs, please just drop Fred and Cisco.com. Let me know. Amazing. I think that's a, a really good place to stop. Unless Fred, you have any closing comments or questions? No, like, like I said, we've you know I I really do think this is about the hundredth different AP we've made, and and we've made them since 1994. I don't think there's anybody on Earth that's made as many APs as we had, and, and learned from all of those APs. You know, so we really do try to make a quality product. You know, we we want to make something that. You know, General Electric came to Richfield, Ohio one day, and they looked at me, and it's about 10 years ago. They go, how long is this AP going to last? And I'm like, well, how long do you want it to last? And they said, well, we make trains. We got about 100 years on a train. How many how, how many years can we get out of this AP, right? And I'm like, well, the technology will mature so that you you will go to something else way before this AP fails. 
If you've got a manufacturing environment and the robots are carrying the stuff around and, or you've got something where you know, you're building cars, if that AP decides to, to, to die on you, you know, you, you, you're losing a lot and you don't want to hear about the, you know, the, the, the wonderful spiff I gave you to buy my AP. You know, I, I gave you an AP there that won't fail. And with any luck, you know, if we can keep that reputation on that AP, that's why you want a Catalyst Cisco AP. They don't fail. They run. You know, you throw water on them. I drove them over in my car and everything else. So, I mean, I'm proud of what, I'm proud of what we make. You know, that's, well, that's kind of it. Like, Fred's promise. <laughs> the 1240s were tanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm using that warranty claim. <laughs> I got yeah, the, uh, the 9136 that survived a fire. It oh, yeah. Out and it was black and all melty, but the little LED was still flashing and it still and, made Wi-Fi. And I have seen more than one of those happen because, you know, fires do occur and, the, and they really do run in the middle of a fire and after the fire's over and everything else. You know, you know if, if I had to say of all the APs we ever made, the only AP that that I'm even a little queasy on, and it didn't it didn't fail, was was we had a, a product manager, a new one at the time, that had to have it so small and all plastic. And I'm like, I got to dissipate heat. And it's like, no, 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 it's got to be small. And the lid's got to slide. Well, that lid slid, and that, that heat baked that plastic. And one morning, a customer saw one on the floor, and I was like, you know, I couldn't have been madder, you know, that that and sadder that that we had made a product that actually, after ten years or fifteen years, it actually dried up and and had a problem and a failure. I just don't, I don't want to see failures because you know you, you don't you buy a car to drive it till you're ready for the next one, and that's what we want the AP to be. Well, if there's a lesson learned, it's not a failure, right? And that's why our APs <laughs> are so superior now. All yeah, right. they're really good. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Everybody, if you want to continue your journey and learn more, check out the links provided in the show notes below. And of course, this is your weekly reminder. You could subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to click on that subscribe or follow button now. Thank you for listening in. See you again next week.